This is Corolla Digital. Adam Corolla here with an important message. We've worked the body, and the troll is against the ropes. The patent troll has thrown everything he's had at us, and we're still standing tall. We're going to wrap this thing up with a big haymaker. By clicking the Amazon banner on this show's website, we'll get a little kickback from every purchase you make, and it'll go directly to the Podcast Defense Fund. So whether it's school supplies or radar detector, we're going to get a little bit to deal the final blow and knock them out. So spend away, and thanks to everyone for your support. Hi, folks. I'm Larry Miller, and I'm talking to you right now to let you know that We're all on vacation this week. That's right. It's a pretty big week. And Colonel Jeff is going to the Bonneville Salt Flats, and he's going to produce a show that's being made there. And uh, then he's going to Monterey. And Dr. Chris is going to Monterey. And uh, they're going to have great vacations, by the way. Now, it turns out I'm not having a vacation, but that's all right. Because I'm going to camp out with the Poetry Corner and the Joke of the Week and the magic movie moment, and they're kind of like people to me. My family thinks that's a little weird, but I think it's fantastic. So you know what? Let's wish Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris the great vacations they're going to have, and we're going to play one of our favorite older episodes for you, and we hope it's one of your favorites too. Until then, we'll see you, and I can tell you all about how great their vacations were and how great mine was. Camping Out with Poetry Corner. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who gets really angry in traffic. Hi, folks. Welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And it feels so good to say that again because we're back here now. That's right. It's the new year. What year is it? It doesn't matter. It's new. That's all we need to know. And everything is just the way it was. It's so nice. Aren't they good, by the way? That's, as always, the Colt Cabana Orchestra and the fabulous Moolah Dancers featuring boy tenor Nick Smith asking the musical question, if... In a way, we're all Larry Miller, then where have I been the last few months? Thank you, Nick. We all like that. And uh, especially Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris, who are back here. It's just it's just wonderful. Oh, and uh, we have some business to do And by, by way of saying, and by Amazon. That's right, Amazon, the online place to buy anything. That was... Uh, the only slogan I could come up with for them after all these months. Amazon, where they have everything in the world, by the way. You can get anything. Our motto is, as you know, that you can get anything you can possibly think of, except, of course, for an actual Amazon. And if you get one of those, and they look the way I imagine they would look, sort of like Wonder Woman, about three inches taller, and beefy. But uh, if you if you, if you you get one of those, let us know, and we'll, we'll join you for it. And... Uh, and to go to Amazon, of course, you go to Amazon.com and you order anything you want, right? Wrong! You don't! That's the wrong way to do it! Because we get nothing then. Sure, you get the things you want to buy, but what do we get? What you do is you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, 
or as we like to say around here, LarryMillerPodcast.com. So you go to that, and there's a little banner, if I remember correctly, up on the upper right-hand corner, right? And it says Amazon. I have to keep asking because, as you know, if you've listened to this show before, I don't – I've never really seen that because I've never seen our website. And uh, all that's important is that (laughs) I healed enough to come back. Well, I can't wait to tell you the story. And so you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com. And you go to the banner that says Amazon, you click on that, and that takes you to Amazon, where you can buy anything in the world you want except, of course, for an actual Amazon. And then at that point, they send us a big chunk of the dough that you're spending, and we get everything. Oh, it's nice. We've gotten banners and all sorts of things for floats. But it's very nice. Amazon is happy, and we're happy here at LarryMillerPodcast.com. And... There are many things to talk about. It's been nine months, so many things have changed. Many things have changed in a dramatic way. And that's why it seemed important to open with, that's right, a hamper update. That's right, this is the first hamper update in nine months. I've been in a hospital. I was in a rehab center for a month. I can't wait to tell you the whole story. But the question is now, what about the hamper? What about the hamper I got to replace the piece of junk that my mom got me that wasn't a piece of junk, but that my wife kind of thought it was, but she's always right, so I went with her. And then that we decided that I, I went to a local store and got a hamper that was $69.99, and it was and there was a whole travail. It went back and forth. Would it be used? There were baskets inside. Then there were little bags inside. And I'm here to tell you the hamper update after nine months is... Ready? There is no hamper update. It's essentially still a hamper. It was still being used, even though without me, around for hunks of time. It was, in other words, a hamper. So I didn't ask my wife, because that's not part of the game, is it? I didn't ask my wife, so did anything go wrong with the hamper? Are you still using just the hamper? You can't say that. That's not playing by the rules. So I will check now that I'm home, though. Now I'll have, well, my detective's eye and my magnifying glass and my hat and the big uh, Sherlock Holmes pipe as I go in to check the hamper every day for a weekly hamper update. But that was after nine months of all sorts of dramatic change. That's the first hamper update, which is it's a hamper. And now, that's right, the joke of the week. I loved telling these things. We did one joke a week, and we got to a really good place with them. And I I think we have a really good joke of the week to start the whole thing off with. And uh, it it starts with, as we were just saying, the colonel and I were just saying, how many jokes always start with, well, there's a priest, there's a rabbi, there's a minister. For a hundred years, it just seemed like such a natural way to tell jokes. So a priest walks into a place with a rabbi, and then the minister comes up. It's just always so natural. And in this case, the joke starts with, it's a church, and the priest comes to the confessional booth, and he sits down, and he slides the little slide away, and uh, there's an old man sitting there, and he says... uh, Yes, okay, let's go ahead. And the old man says to him, Father, I have to be honest with you. I Last night, I had three 22-year-old women 
in my bed, in my apartment. They were all over the place. It was the most amazing night of sex I've ever had. And after we would finish, then I'd have one on one side, one on the other. We'd be watching TV. The third one would be reheating the Chinese food. And it was just fantastic. And then we, and then the, the priest suddenly says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, let's go in order here. When, when was your last confession? And the guy says, well, I've never had one. And the priest said, what are you talking about? You've never had one. And the guy says, I have to be honest. I've never had a confession. Well, you should have them. That's, as you know, a big part of our faith. If you're Catholic, and the guy says, well, that's the thing. I'm not Catholic. That's maybe why I haven't had a, had a confession. You're not Catholic? He says, no, I'm Jewish. And, well, why did you come here to tell me? And he says, I'm telling everyone. Wouldn't you tell everyone? I'm telling you, and by the way, if you think, don't get so insulted. Yesterday I was in a Hindu place, and I don't think they liked it at all. And I thought that was a good joke. I got that from Colonel Jeff, by the way. He told me, I said, you know something? That's a pretty good joke. And uh, let, let's tell that And uh, for a, a good laugh to start our new episode in the new year. And that also, excuse me, leads very neatly into the Poetry Corner. That's right, the Poetry Corner. Now... We were just sitting here preparing, and I said, hey, what about, what about the Poetry Corner this week? And uh, Colonel Jeff said, as he will, he said, uh, well, did you get a poem for this week? And I said, oh, so it's always me. And uh, he said, well, if you don't have a poem, there's really no reason to do it. And I said, well, people like the, the Poetry Corner, though, don't they? And he said, yes, they do. We get a lot of very nice letters. And I said, all right, well, let's mention the Poetry Corner and mention that we, we will be back with the Poetry Corner, and an actual poem next week. But it was worth mentioning anyway. There'll be a dramatic hamper update. There'll be a Poetry Corner with a real poem. And there'll be another great joke, no doubt involving something in a church or a temple. In any case, so I've been, as you know, and I've been, and thank you for listening. Those of you who still listen to some of the older shows while I was, you know, away and getting better. And I thought, I can't wait to tell the story of what happened here, because this was, this happened last April 4th. That's roughly nine months. This is the story, and this is going out for the first time. I was on, it at this studio, in fact, I was doing Adam's show, Adam Carolla's show, and it went really well, and it was nice, and so it's about 6 o'clock, and I decided to leave, and I was going to go home, and as I'm in the car, one of my friends calls, and he says, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm just leaving Corollas. I just did this thing. And he says, well, you know, uh, how about we? Go, you want to go out and go, get a quick quick drink? And uh, I said, you know what? You've got to deal this. So this, it's only 6 o'clock, so I can meet this guy for a drink, say hello. We can catch up and still be home before 8. Now, that's terrific. And any man's head, that adds up just fine. <laughs> that's If you need things to add up just fine, that's one way to do it. We went to a local place, by the way. And nothing fancy, just a local place. We had one or two drinks. And then I got home, sure enough, around 7.30. But my blood was moving now, and my energy was up. And I've got one or or two drinks in me. And I said to my wife, you know what, let's go out. And in that great Walt Whitman phrase, let's howl at the moon. We'll let let you and I do that, and we'll just have fun, and we'll laugh together, and we'll remember why we fell for each other. And she said, you know what? I'm really busy. I'd like to normally, but I'm, I'm just busy. Now, I'm standing in a, in a 
perfectly clean, immaculate kitchen, and she's eating a piece of pecan pie. So exactly what she was busy with, I'm not sure of. Naturally, I didn't say that. What I said was, so you're busy? And she said, I'm very busy. And I said, all right, you know what? Well, that's it then. If, if you're busy, and since you haven't finished that crossword puzzle yet, you know what? Then I'll go out. I expected a big fight. I expected a big argument. I expected her to stand up and say, you know what? You're home now. That's a stupid thing to do. But in return, all she did was go back to the crossword puzzle and have another bite of pie. And But I took that as an argument. I took that as her really saying, you know, you can't, you can't do this kind of thing. So what I did was I took one of my paperback detective books, which I love, and I went back out to the car and uh, drove down the hill. And I called my friend back, and he couldn't make it because uh, his wife really didn't have an argument with him about just the first drink. And I went I went to this place. It's an Irish bar. It's an Irish pub. I'm not going to tell you the names of these places because there's there's no need to embarrass them. But this Irish place has, you know, it's an Irish pub if you look at it. And the name has the word Ireland in it. So you know this is an Irish bar. Oddly enough, right across the street, there's an English bar with... English people in it. Now, these are real Irish and English bars with real Irish and English people. And you know the place is an English bar. You know it's English because they have the word king in their name. They they both serve pints of Guinness, poured clean. And uh, and you know what, by the way? it's It seems worth saying that, in my opinion, the Irish pint of Guinness is much better than the English pint. I'm not talking about if you go to these countries. I don't want to start a war here. But... Uh, don't, certainly don't want to cause any ill will between those two countries. But, I mean, there's the the one poured in this Irish place, they let it sit. They, they know how to pour a pint. And when you sit there, you take a big sip of it. And the first thing you want to think of is an old friend named Brendan used to say, take a big, long sip, set it back down, and just think about it for a second. And he'd always say, nothing wrong with that. And... That's true. There was nothing wrong with it. And in the English one, it's good, but it's just not the same. It's sort of like the difference between Coke and Pepsi. I don't know if I could tell these things really apart, but when you take a sip of Coke, you say, well, that's a Coke. Now I'm getting somewhere. That's a Coke. You when you're thirsty, if you take a sip of Pepsi and someone says, how was it? You you'll say, it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. But what I'd really like is a really cold sip of Coke. So... I went to the Irish place, and uh, by the way, this is the kind of place I've, I've been into uh, before. It's it's only about a mile from where uh, the kids played Little League for so long, and when I would drop one of them off or both of them off for a game or lessons, I understand that a lot of parents want to go actually see the games and watch the games and watch the kids play in this sort of cliche of supporting the children. But I would usually just say, okay, you got them as long as they're with the coach. I'd say, you know what, I think I'll go over to, and I'd name the place, and get a quick pint. And uh, the, <laughs> it was great because the owner there is, is again, he, he, he could be cast for the owner of the Irish bar. And he was he he looks just perfect for it. He's got a round face. As, my, as uh, my, my wife always says, that it's called English skin or Irish skin, depending on whether you're English or Irish. And in my wife's case, it's Irish skin, so it's, it looks like it's whitish skin and, and, and very red for him, though, very red. So it's very round, very white, and very red.
where each vein that has blossomed a little bit and causes the redness from, I don't know, alcohol, and each, each, each vein looks like it's going to jump out of the skin and actually say to you, could you get out of the light, please? We could really use some light. And so he always sits on the side, right next to the bar, in his own stool there with his own crossword puzzle and his books, and he owns the place so he can... He just gets a drink put down, and he sits there. And every time I'd go in, he would always say, uh, Hello, Larry, what are you doing here? You're going to spend a couple hours here today? And I'd always say that, uh, No, actually, uh, just dropped the kids off at Little League, and I uh, figured, uh, you know, a quick pint couldn't hurt. And he immediately said, It never does. And <laughs> I always thought, That's how you tell certain nationalities in the world that came out so fast. It always does, and or it never does. And whatever he said, it wouldn't matter what he said. He said it so quickly and with such a smile. I said, well, that's why I come to this place. And uh, it's it's the, it's also the kind of place, by the way, where there were you should there were fights in there, and there but they don't fight in there. It's a classy place. So what they do is they have guys who work there, who are whose really job is to kind of pinpoint people who are starting to argue and and it's not hard by the way because it's only it's only well it's stupid men who hang out there like me who just drop the kids off someplace and they get into an argument about what so-and-so wrote about well jonathan swift wrote that phrase about the irish where he said this and and they argue about that and then they say all right you know what but the guys who who work there it's their job to say all right you know what then come on we're going out back now, out back, they have an area which is, it's no surprise they take out back because it's perfect for fights. It's about 20 by 20, and it's uh, they have chairs around it where people sometimes sit and smoke. And it's, it's dirt, it's hard-packed dirt, and these guys are so strong. The guys who work there are so tough and strong, but not weightlifter tough. As you all know, we all know, there's really something about weightlifter tough that never looks so tough anymore. It's been about 20 years of, you know what? Sure, the guy's pretty built up, but he doesn't look that tough. These guys look tough. These guys are, I remember in the places I used to hang out with in, in, in New York, they are tough from carrying the fresh kegs that were delivered downstairs because there's there's no way to get them down other than that, down the narrow flights of stairs in New York that go around the corner and down and you carry one of those kegs, and you put it down, you set it down, walk back upstairs, get another one. You know, you do that with 30 kegs. That's quite a workout. So at any rate, this is that kind of tough. I call it that it's that Liam Neeson look where the arms are a little longer than you think they might be. You think, well, this guy has, you know, really done something tough. So he's tall, tough, and the idea is that as you're walking out one time, I walked out with one of these guys, and the owner just said to him, said to him, uh, Brendan, what are you doing with Larry? And he said, well, he said this about that. And he, and uh, the guy, the, the owner just said, take it easy on him, would you please? Because he's a good tipper, and sometimes he brings in people from show business. And so <laughs> the funny part was that Brendan just said, I know my job. And, and the owner just said, you know what? Hit him once in the eye or the face and just, you know, just cut the cut the strings like a puppet. Cut the strings that are holding the knees up. And he said, I know what I'm doing. And then, you know, sure enough, you walk out there. And I did 
something so stupid in, in one of these things. Uh, one time I said, uh, I said it's, it's like an old TV show. He said to me, all right, Larry, you take the first shot. And I said, because I'm a little lit up and a little stupid, I said, uh, no, you take the first shot. Which, by the way, is a dumb thing to say to someone who knows how to take a first shot. So he said, all right. And the next thing I remember was seeing his fist, which was a big fist, coming straight at my head and getting very big, very fast. And he hit me. The next thing you know, you're, you're on the ground, on your back, looking up, thinking, wasn't I just standing? I think I was just standing. But the point is that it's, it's always kind of a charming place. No one gets gets hurt. It's a, it's a wonderful place. And this didn't happen the night I got hurt, by the way. That's not what happened. So what happened was I walk in there, and I did something that also never gets done there. I ordered a martini. This is this being an Irish pub, what they have is pints of Guinness and shots of Jameson's. And that's a terrific way to go. If you've never done that, you know, it's it's like saying... If it's not broken, don't fix it. If you, you know, you can go up, if you're going to buy a woman a drink or buy yourself a drink or whatever, there's no reason to think about anything. What are you going to have? Uh, give me a pint of Guinness and a shot of Jameson's. That's a solid way to go. But in this place, that night I went there, last April, I said, you know what? Do you feel like making a martini? And the bartender said, oh, I'd love to. And what they did was they went to where the shakers are because they're never used. They're out of the plastic, but they're never, ever used. No one ever gets a vodka Collins or a Mai Tai or whatever you make, you know, or anything else like that. So he said, and he, he called down to the owner. He said, hey, Mike, look, a shaker. I'm making Larry a martini. And this, this was like saying the ship is sailing at dawn. And by the way, in, in classic style, he didn't wash it out. He just did that blow in it, that and where you're blowing it and some of the dust comes out, because the truth is, what's the point anyway? You don't have to wash it out. Wash what out? So you put a bunch of ice in there. He makes one, and it was it was pretty good, too, and he sets it down before me. I've got my book. I've got this thing there, and I'm the happiest guy on Broadway. And now I'm sitting there, and I, and I finish the drink, and a fella comes over to say something. The guy next to me says something, asks a question about a movie or something, and... Uh, and he and I, by the way, would wound up in the back in about 10 minutes. But there was no need for that because I said, you know what? I'm just going to read this and I'm just going to I'm just going to take a sip of this. And I finished the drink and the bartender comes over and says, I make another one, Larry. I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go outside for a smoke. And uh, that's how you know I am. I every, If I have a couple of drinks in me every so often, I like to go out and see if I can bum a smoke from someone. So I went out front there. And there's a couple of people having a cigarette, and I asked if I could have one, and they said, sure. So I lit that, and then we were right by the front door, and a couple is coming in to go in, sort of a couple, like a regular couple, civilian couple. They're on a date. What they're doing in this joint, I have no idea, but they're going in. So I, because I'm very polite, because I'm a gentleman, I decide to hold the door open and back up for them. And as I do that, though, as they're kind of about to go inside, I step off the initial path going into the door and I fall backwards just a couple of feet and hit my head on the outer wall of the bar. 
Now, I sort of slide, you know, down the wall. You bonk, you whack, you whack your head there, you slide down the wall. And the two people coming in said, whoa, you all right there? And I, they helped stand me up. I said, yeah, I'm fine. And one of the other guys, though, I noticed people are looking at me in an odd way. And one of the, one of the other guys says, you know what? Let me call an ambulance. And I said, sure, that sounds good. You know, when you just lit up just enough. And I said to the people who were walking in, I said, can you imagine how dumb this is? Shouldn't, shouldn't I be falling down after I have the drink? But that's how tough this place is. Here you fall down before you have the drink. So we're starting to laugh. I said, the guy says he just called the ambulance. I said, great, all right. I'll go inside and I'll have that other drink that was being made for me. So I, I go inside and the, and the bartender, you know, sets it down. He looks at me. Now, this is, remember, it's a tough place. People know how to handle themselves. And they, they've all had 10 amateur fights and 20 professional fights. They know something about injury. So he sets it down. He looks at me and it's a little dark. And he looks at me, leans over and he said, you okay, Larry? And I said, yeah, why? He said, well, you don't look at it. Turn around. He said, oh, geez, you're bleeding there. Now, what would you do if someone says you're, someone's bleeding? Oh, boy, you look like you walloped your head in there. Oh, boy, you might have cracked your head. Oh, boy, you're bleeding. Now, in any place, any place in the world, any country in the world, any nationality in the world, everything would more or less stop and go, holy mackerel, come here. Let's see you down in the office while the ambulance gets there. And I said, oh, uh, no, so-and-so called an ambulance on his phone. <laughs> so the bartender just said, all right, then. And that was it. He sets the drink down and walks away to get someone else another drink. So in other words, that was par for the course. That was more or less to be expected. I have a couple of sips of this. Now, here's the thing. Here's the weird thing. Now, I walloped my head on the wall of this bar out front. Now, now I'm starting to say, you know, whoa, boy, I think I walloped my head there. I have a couple of sits of this drink. The, the ambulance gets there, and I get up, and I'm there's nothing wrong with the way I'm walking, but I walk out there, and these guys just, I said, boy, that was fast. And the ambulance guy said, wow, we're always a block away, you know, because they know that between this place and the English place, there's always someone who's going to need an ambulance about every 40 minutes so that so they can get the contract on that. So I said, oh, fantastic. So they put me into the ambulance, and I don't remember the actual drive. I said, where are we going? Oh, we're going over here to this hospital. And I said, all right, fine. And I, I had called my friend Michael to say, listen, I'm going in an ambulance to the hospital. Ambulance? What happened? I said, what do you care? I'm telling you, I'm, you, you didn't even come out. I said, do me a favor. Call my wife and uh, tell her, and I'll, I'll meet her over there. Okay, fine. And so here, here's the thing, that... I get I get to the hospital. I meet my wife there, and the people when you sign in there, the woman behind the desk said to me, "Do you want to use a phony name to sign in?" Because apparently, now I'm sure you know about this, but with big stars like Madonna or Chris Rock or somebody, if they're going to sign into a hospital, they're going to make up a name so that their name isn't down there. I'm not a big star, but she was nice enough to say, "Do you want to use a phony name to sign in?" And I said. I don't know. And uh, my wife said, I don't know if you need a phony name. My wife said, then my wife said, well, maybe even in case they ask, maybe you should do it. All right. She said, well, uh, my wife said, what kind of name do you like? I said, well, I've always liked the name Fred. I, I just like the name Fred. And so that's the name I was listed under. And every time someone called either that hospital or that name followed me to the rehab house 
where everyone else was in really bad shape. And just in order to get through on the phone, they said, oh, people have to call and ask for Fred first. And I said, and by the way, I'd have one of my kids would call or both of them would call or my sister would call. And people would call and ask for me, as for Larry. And they'd say, no, he's not here. And so I had to tell them, no, you have to ask for the, you know, this. And they said, why? I said, never mind why. And I know that name is going to follow me for the rest of my life. I've always been, when I go on the road and you get to a hotel and people say to you, by the way, would you like a made-up name uh, to list this? And I always say, that, that's very nice of you to ask, but thank you, I don't need that. I'll bet you a dollar from wherever I go when I start to go on the road again, I'll bet you a dollar that this name is leading the pack. If it is... I'll tell you. And by the way, I'm very lucky because there are people you read about on page 30 who die from these things. You know, you whack your head. They you're bleeding. They they took off a couple of pieces. And, you know, when as the brain heals, it's got to swell a little bit and then it goes down again. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. It healed perfectly and it it healed quickly. But of course, for a couple of weeks, you look like you're in a Frankenstein movie, you know, and they, you're hooked up to things and with those electronic... They put you in a coma. They they give you certain medic medicines that actually make you go under. And that's fine. I was so lucky. I was about a week or five days or something like that and come out of it. You know, you're hooked up and friends would come in and they were really nice. All my... All my good friends came by, and I don't really remember much, but what I do remember, and this is kind of important, and if you get into this position, you'll you'd, you'll be lucky the same way. There were seven or eight women I know who are actresses, comics, and my wife knows that we're all, we're all good friends. And I've known them for a long time since before I met my wife, and I always wanted to date uh, all of them, really. And, I, and so they came by, and... Here's the here's the wonderful thing. Here's the good part. I didn't say anything I shouldn't have said because at that point you're a little loopy and a little loony. And I could have said something a little blunt to everyone as as they uh, lean over and say a nice prayer and say really something nice. You could have said, you know, it's funny you said that because I'd like to blank. And I didn't, though. And if anything ever happens to you, and I hope it doesn't, and if you're a guy, and if some of your old female friends come by, people you always wanted to date, you'll be very lucky if you're not dumb enough to say why you wanted to date them. And then they send you to a house. They send you to their to their house. And it's one of those places that you don't even know. It looks like it's in a regular neighborhood. It is a regular neighborhood. There are people. It's not fancy. It's just regular. And that house, though, has six bedrooms. It's all one floor. And there's someone in each bedroom who is healing from something. And, folks, this is one of the great lessons I learned from this. You know, there's a lot of people have a problem looking at people in wheelchairs or they don't know what to say to someone who's injured, obviously injured, who isn't doing that well. And these folks were a couple of soldiers who were wounded. And there was a, a girl who was 15 or 16 who got hurt and got her, got her head walloped up. And her family was never absent there. There was someone there 24 hours a day, her dad and her mom and her brothers and a couple of aunts and always had, there were always at least two people there. It was very moving. And to get to know these folks and to really like them 
And it's so funny because if someone else came by, you get so quickly to know people when they're either taking a pill or getting a shot. You know, anyone else who was there might have just said, oh, you want to leave because they're getting a shot. But it happens so quickly where you turn around and say, what are you talking about? He's just getting a shot. Leave him alone. And you get used to it very quickly. And you know what? That was a pretty great thing to have happen there where you realize, oh, I see. It's people just like you, and I was one of the luckiest ones in the world because I always knew that if something, unless something crazy happened or something went wrong, I was leaving. And there were a lot of people who didn't leave these places, or they were there already three months, six months, a year, several years, and they weren't going to leave. Now, there was one guy, there was a doctor there who was going to take out, they, they had a tube in my stomach. It comes out the skin on your chest area, and it was going into your stomach. And I did. turns out I didn't really need it, and it wasn't really doing anything. So they said to me, you know what, you should have that taken out. And it's just a tube, and it's just in there, and it's just going to a place that's about eight inches out that just has a plug on it. And I said, all right, well, when can we have it taken out? And so the doctor said, you know what, uh, let's make it here. And he gave me a date, and it's about two and a half weeks. He said, and I'll come by. I'll be in the other house, and then we'll take it out. Okay, it's fine with me. It sounds all right to me. I don't know how to do these things. And I, I, and I went with uh, one of the women drove me over there in, the, in one of the vans on this date two and a half weeks later. And it's a, it's a beautiful day. And we go up to this house and ring the bell. And another young woman who's running the phones there comes up and says, oh, Dr. So-and-so isn't here right now. He didn't come in today. And the, my, the woman I was with started saying, oh, okay. And she said, well, maybe if you call again. Oh, okay. But then I did something that most of us never do that I've never done. And this is something else you want to remember. Instead of just letting it go to, oh, okay, oh, we'll call again. Maybe you should call again. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. Instead of that, I more or less jumped in and said to the woman in the house, you know what? We're here today because that doctor's taking a tube out. Here, look at this. See this tube? He's taking it out today. And it was supposed to come out, and we'd made this more than two weeks ago. So you know what? Since this is going today and it's in my stomach, why don't we call the doctor now? You have the doctor's number? Is he at his house? And just by doing that, she said, well, yeah, I guess we could call him. So we got in the house. And that's something else to remember, that if you just don't take what they give you, so to speak, and if you stand up and, in fact, and not be mean and not be blunt, but just say, excuse me, you know what? Let's do this now. And she called the guy and the guy said he was coming over. And there were some people there, by the way. They had This was a house that had about 10 folks in there who were not going to leave. And a couple of them said hi to me and said something nice or recognized me from something. So I was talking to these folks and they said, what are you here for? I said, well, I got to get this taken out. And they've had everything taken out and put in. So I sat down on a couch in the living room about 20 feet from these folks. The doctor comes in who's Scottish and he comes over and he says, oh, hi. And we were talking. How's it going? Fine. It's just fine. And, uh, we, you know, we said we would take this out. So he said, oh, all right. And they looked around and said, uh, well, do we want to go to uh, one of the rooms here or something or sit down? And then he said, I didn't say anything. He said, nah, you know, we'll just do it right here. Now, at that point, you'd expect something is going to happen, right? You'd expect he has to, well, put some fluid on, do something, clean his hands, do something. He leans over and just takes hold of this thing and just goes, and just takes it out. And it happened so fast. Not so fast. It was about three seconds to get it out. 
and he took it out, and it actually made a sound like that when it came out. And I looked at him, and he said, there we go. And I said, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Shouldn't you have to put something on before you do that? Shouldn't you have to, you know, de-germ me or you or somebody? Shouldn't you have to put those thin gloves on? I mean, if you were a drug dealer, you'd have thin gloves on, wouldn't you? And shouldn't you have to do that with this? And he didn't take offense at any of this. And he just shrugged and said, well, in the end, it just comes right out. And I, I said, you know what? That's close enough for me. And I stood up. I said, do I have to sit here? He said, no, you're fine. Can you imagine that something happens like that that's in your stomach and coming out your chest? And, it's, and then he just takes it out the same way you take a hair clip off. And he takes it out. I I said uh, I took one of those little uh, you know cloths, one of those cotton cloths, and just put it up against it under my shirt. And this uh, this woman and I walked back out to the van. I said thanks very much. We'll see you again. Maybe not. I hope I hope we don't. But we get back in the van, drive back to the house, and all the other folks there who were in some pretty bad shape said, "How'd it go? Did he take it out?" He said, "Yeah, he just pulled it out. He didn't even say anything or do anything." And everyone there just said. Me too. He did that with me too. Everyone there, these are people who aren't going to walk. These are people who are twisted up. These are people who are really making great steps, but it's going to take a long time. Every single one of them had something taken out by this guy where he didn't say anything. He just said, all right, hold still. Ah! And it didn't matter what it was. There were the shrapnel bullets. It doesn't matter what it was. He goes and he just takes it and says, all right, there it is. And by the way, in that house... Colonel Jeff and Dr. Chris came by with some recording equipment, and we did some of those spots you might have heard on some of the other episodes to say, hey, hi, I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all, and I'll be out soon, and then we'll get the show going again. And uh, we had a good time because we like being together anyway. The one thing that was great about this place, by the way, that I think I know you're going to get anyway, is that no matter what happened, if you worked out, if you had a meal, if you did anything in this place right after it, you go back to your room, and these were single rooms with single beds and a TV. You go right back to the room, get in bed, and go to sleep. And it was just fantastic at 11 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon to say, you know what, I feel a little tired now because you're supposed to do that. With a brain injury or anything, you can you just get tired. And the best way to heal... The fastest way to heal, the most complete way to heal, is to go to sleep again. And I would turn on the, the, the TV, and they had a channel with old westerns on it, and I loved that anyway. And I'd so I'd be watching a Joel McRae movie and just shut my eyes, and bang, two hours later, you're just out cold. And it's fantastic. And you wake up and say, holy mackerel, I slept for another two hours. What, what, what's happening now in the house? Dinner. There's dinner now? Wow, that's great. And so you'd walk out. They'd put a tray down in front of you. One of the guys would say to me, what'd you do? I slept, I slept for two hours. I was watching a Joel McCray movie and I slept for two hours. And the same thing, and everyone else said, me too, because that's what you do. You, you go to sleep and you rest. And you know what, folks? One of the greatest blessings about healing is that if the thing heals, and it doesn't always heal, as you know, you have family members and friends, and you've read articles in the paper where something happens, where the guy hits a head, something goes on. And you know what? Sometimes, two weeks later, the guy dies. Well, you know what, folks? I'm here. I knew really early on 
that it was just going to heal, that if something else just doesn't go wrong, doesn't go crazy, you know, that uh, that it was going to heal. Going home was great. The only The only drag about going home, by the way, was that now my kids have an answer to me for everything I tell them to do because of, of the brain injury that they it happened the other day. I get up to make the breakfast for them, and I make it, as you know, I've told you before, very neatly. I lay out all the silverware and all the napkins and all the plates, and, you know, I stand there and I just smile and I cut out the comics from that day's paper, and they're reading it, and one of the kids, you know, God bless him, doesn't chew as much as he should. And I said to him again, you know what? You're still doing that. You need to chew more. You need to chew more. It's very, very important to get the food down when it's chewed a lot. And when I, whenever I say anything now about life, about the kids, about growing up, they just glanced over at each other. And then one of them said, hey, Dad, didn't you break your brain? Is your brain still broken? Or are you under a lot of stress? Because maybe you should just go back to sleep. You told us you like to go back to sleep. Maybe you should do that now. And, you know, that's one of those moments where you just say, and what, not cook you breakfast? Because no one else is, you know, if I don't do this, who's going to do it, the dog? And I didn't do that, though, because I began to realize whatever I say to them, could turn the TV down, it's too loud. And then they'd say the same thing. You know, Dad, you're still under a lot of stress. Maybe you should go back to sleep. So now the one thing that I think is going to be around, if I'm – lucky enough to live another big chunk of years and their lives grow and they get married and have families too. I know I'm going to say these things to their kids and their kids are going to say to me, uh, Grandpa, didn't you break your brain 700 years ago and shouldn't you be lying down again? But you know what? All I knew was that it was going to be great to get back to work. It was going to be great to do this work that I love, not only performing on stage, but writing and acting, and I'll tell you about things as they come up. But, folks, the truth is this, doing this show today is and was always going to be the first and the best thing I had that I was really looking forward to. And Colonel Jeff came by and picked me up, and we drove over here and had a couple of pretzels. And you know what? And Dr. Chris is, is over there, too, behind the glass wall. So you know what? It's very meaningful that we're back here now, and we're all very grateful. And how do you like that? I walloped my head on a wall, and it just healed perfectly. And here we are talking. So you know what, folks? As always, remember... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, game's over and you've won. And that is especially now the truest thing I've ever known. So take care. We're back. Thanks for being back with us. We'll see you next week. Guests of This Week with Larry Miller stay at the Level 5 Express Hotel, which gets you there faster. Wherever you want to go, you know where you're going. You start at Level 2, and then you feel like Level 5. In downtown Glendale, which will feel like downtown Paris after you get done with it. The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. 
The orchestra opens the program with I Hear Bluebirds. How true, ladies and gentlemen, is that old saying you hear every June about happy the bride the sun shines upon. Well, that's a question we really can't answer, but we do know a saying you can depend on, and it goes like this. Happy the bride who always keeps a plentiful supply of Jell-O on the pantry shelf. For Jell-O, friends, is a grand dessert that's wonderfully quick and easy to make, as well as inexpensive to serve, and every bride will appreciate that. Jell-O's downright pleasure to eat, too, and every husband will go for that. Yes, with a bright, shimmering mold of Jell-O on the table, contentment reigns supreme. Those six brilliant colors are all just as gay and enticing as can be, from the rich, glowing crimson that makes you think of fresh, ripe raspberries to cool emerald green lime. And those six delicious flavors are gloriously good, extra rich, and just as refreshing and beguiling as the juicy, ripe fruit itself. So try some Jell-O real soon. And when you buy, be sure to look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O, and Jell-O spells a treat. played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our master of ceremonies, a man who had his option picked up last Sunday and now looks ten years younger, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Jello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, the fact that I'm in good spirits today and look younger has nothing to do with my contract being renewed. I'm always this way. Now, wait a minute, Jack. When our sponsor came to your house for dinner last Sunday, you were a wreck. Who, me? Why, I never saw anyone so jittery and nervous. Me, jittery? Yes, you. Until Mr. Mortimer picked up your option, you made a darn fool of yourself. What are you talking about? All evening long it was, have a cigarette, Mr. Mortimer. Have a cigar, Mr. Mortimer. Here, take this chair, Mr. Mortimer. It's softer. Oh, I didn't make such a fuss over him. Go on, he happened to sneeze once, and you sent Rochester out for an oxygen tent. <laughs> well, I just did that for a gag. What's the matter with you two? And the way you waited on him. You wouldn't let the man do anything for himself. What do you mean? When his shoelace came undone, who tied it? Mary, I happened to be down on the floor at the time. <laughs> That's the only reason I did it. Well, let me ask you something. Why were you laying on the floor in the first place? What? What was that, Phil? I said, why were you laying on the floor in the first place? Phil, you should be the last one in the world to ask anybody why they're laying on the floor at a party. <laughs> why, I... I know bearskin rugs that lead less horizontal lives than you do. <laughs> and incidentally, Phil... You might at least thank me for the good time you had last Sunday. What good time? All we did was play bingo, and our sponsor won every game. Boy, was that oblivious. You mean obvious. 
However, there was nothing obvious about it. Mr. Mortimer is lucky at bingo, that's all. I only called the numbers the way they came up. And the way they came up shouldn't happen to a dog. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Frankly, Jack, I, I don't know what the rest of us were playing for. You let Mr. Mortimer bingo every time. All right, so he won the salad bowl. <laughs> But don't forget, he paid 25 cents a card, the same as everybody else. And that salad bowl was a Christmas gift from Eddie Cantor. That's a lie. I got it for my birthday from Olson and Johnson. <laughs> Boy, are they cheap. Just because they're a team, they give one present. <laughs> and incidentally, fellas, seems funny that you can all criticize and complain. Yet not one of you has the courtesy to mention the delicious food I served. Why, you guys all ate like it was your last meal. Well, until he picked up your option, Jackson, we weren't sure. <laughs> Maybe you weren't, Phil, but I wasn't the least bit worried. I knew I was going to be signed up for next season two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yes, I had definite information. Oh, you and that phony fortune teller. Phony? Mary, there's nothing phony about Madame Zuzu. She clicks like a castanet. <laughs> Why, she's marvelous. Oh, yeah? Four years ago, she told me I was going to marry Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor, she said. All right, so she misses once in a while. Why did she have to miss on that one? It was just fate, that's all. Even a crystal ball has an off day now and then. Hey, wait a minute. Madam Zuzu... You know, I went to her place once. You did, Phil? Yeah, she told me I was bashful. Ain't that a Lulu? <laughs> bashful? You of all people. And she was sitting on my lap at the time. I can't understand. <laughs> me neither. I'd like to take that crystal ball and hit her over the head with it. Mary, will you forget about Robert Taylor? And speaking of Madame Zuzu, fellas... If you knew what she told me about my movie career, you'd all be plenty excited. What did she tell you, Jack? Never mind. You'll read it in the paper next winter. Come on, Jackson, tell us. No, nothing doing. It's a secret. Okay. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Madam Zuzu looked in the crystal, and guess who's going to win the Academy Award next year? Guess who? She ought to be rated. <laughs> All right, just for that, Mary, you're not going with me to the Academy Banquet and hear my acceptance speech. Your acceptance speech? Yes, I'm preparing it now. Well, don't write anything that you can't switch to a letter to your father. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. I wouldn't laugh too soon. By the way, Jack, not changing the subject, but uh, while Madame Zuzu was giving you the lowdown on your option, did she mention who's going to be your announcer next season? Well, I imagine you're the lucky man, Don, although there wasn't room for you in the crystal. But, uh, I'm sure you're set. And we'll have the same little comedian, eh, Mary? Darn it, and I picked out linen and dishes and everything. Mary, will you forget about Robert Taylor? Anyway, Don... Forget, he says. Mary. Anyway, Don, it looks like we'll have the same old gang again next year. Madam Zuzu saw all of us together in her crystal ball. She better see a lot more of that green stuff in there. You can count me out. <laughs> What do you mean? 
Well, I want a raise. I started to work for you four years ago, and I'm still getting the same lousy salary. Well, you got the same lousy band. <laughs> I have a motto, Phil. As ye play, so shall I pay. <laughs> now, wait a minute. What's wrong with my band? What's wrong? Hmm. You've got three violins that no one's ever heard. A guitar A guitar player who got his strings from a yo-yo top <laughs> Two piano players that have to put a nickel in for every number And a brass section that must have a sideline <laughs> And you asked for more money. Well, there's no hard trying. All right, you tried. <laughs> Incidentally, Phil, I've got your contract here in my pocket. So right after the broadcast, I want you to put your usual X on the dotted line. I understand? I can print Phil Harris now. I know, I saw it all over the wall. <laughs> Stop showing off. Well, I guess that takes care of our contract problems for next season. You haven't straightened things out with me yet, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Uh, I thought, uh, Dennis, I thought I mailed you a contract to sign. You did, but my mother tore it up. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. Supposing you and I go in the other room and talk matters over about next season. I guess we can come to an agreement. Well, my mother says... Come along, that... Dennis. Now, Phil... <laughs> Phil, while... Uh, Phil, while we're in the other room transacting a deal... How about playing a number? Okay, you great big businessman. Uh, come along, Dennis, my boy. Well, my Come mother... along now. Oh, Phil. What? Play loud so we can't hear Dennis screaming. <laughs>
was Alice Blue Gown, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And very good, Phil. Say, uh, Mary, is Jack in the other room yet? Yes, he's still talking business with Dennis. The kid must be holding out. Yeah, I'm going to open the door and listen. Oh, now, wait a minute, Mary. That isn't ethical. Ethical, schmethical. Let's listen in, babe. <laughs> I will. Now, quiet. Sure, Dennis, sure. I know you're worth it, but that's a little too steep. Well, my mother says that next year I ought to get $500 a week. 500 eh? Uh-huh. Well, well, I'll tell you what, Dennis. They're still at it, boys. How's Dennis making out? He's in the neighborhood of 500 but I don't think he'll move in there. <laughs> you know, that Benny's terrific. You know, he's the guy that started the second cup of coffee is free movement. <laughs> yeah, what a character. Well, I think we ought to get going on with the program, uh... See how they're coming along, Mary. Okay. Absolutely, Dennis. I agree with you, but my budget won't permit it. Well, my mother says Look, Dennis, that... look. <laughs> Dennis, would you be satisfied with $250 a week? $250? Oh, sure. That's well. I see. <laughs> hmm. Well, now look, Dennis. You're young yet, and you've got your whole future ahead of you. I'll tell you what I'll do. Well, it's still going on. What's the latest report? Ceiling 500, vision 250. <laughs> it looks bad. Why don't the kid walk out on him? He can't. Jack's sitting on his chest. <laughs> it looks like an all-day session. Now, quiet, everybody. You're right, Dennis. You're absolutely right, but... $85 a week is a lot of money. <laughs> After all, you're just a kid. I can't breathe. Move down a little, will you? <laughs> I'm, uh... I'm sorry, Dennis. Now, let's talk this over carefully. I'm sure we can get together. I'll tell you what. Well, that beats everything. What's the figure now, Mary? Eighty-five, and they haven't struck bottom. I never saw a guy as tight as Jack. You remember that Gladys Zabisco he used to go with? Yeah. Well, he broke up with her because she took appetite pills. <laughs> and he was nuts about her, too. Well, here goes for another peek. Quiet now, fellas. Okay, Dennis, it's a deal. Thirty-seven fifty a week. <laughs> Sign right here on the dotted line. What's going on here? <laughs> Dennis, please. Here's the pen. Sign right here. Well, I ought to speak to my mother first. All right. Now, here's what you tell her. It's the last round, and Dennis is on the ropes. What was Jack's final offer? Thirty-seven fifty a week. Thirty-seven fifty? Why the kid's getting thirty-seven now? Yeah, but I guess Jack feels he ought to have a raise. <laughs> you know. Well, let's go ahead with the program, fellas. We're all set, eh, Dennis? Yeah, I guess so. Hey, Dennis, what did Jackson offer you for next season? Well, I'm going. Don't to tell get... him, Dennis. Don't tell him. We don't want the others to be jealous of you. Holy smoke! Am I making more money than they are? <laughs> Could be, could be. You know what, Jack? What? You save more money by accident than Harry Lauder does on purpose. Oh, yeah? Well, Mary, I'd be quiet if I were you. Uh, Madame Zuzu looked in the crystal the other day, and you were wrapping up a pair of stockings. 
And now, Dennis, now that everything has been smoothed out to our mutual satisfaction, how about singing a nice song for us? Okay. What's it going to be, Dennis? I'm going to sing... Hold it a minute. I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Oh, it's you. Rochester, if you'd listen to the program, you wouldn't always call up and interrupt in the middle of it. Why don't you tune in once in a while? Well, frankly, boss, you don't do the kind of stuff that intrigues me. (laughs) I know. You won't listen to any program where you don't tear something off, send it in, and get something back. (laughs) Now, what do you want? What's on your mind? Well, boss, you know Hollywood Park Racetrack opened last Thursday. Yes. And you know how cheap oats are right now. Oats? What are you driving at? I bought a racehorse. Can I keep him in the garage? (laughs) You bought a racehorse? Rochester, how can you possibly afford to buy a horse on your salary? Well, I paid $2 down. I got 30 days to raise the other (laughs) $1,800. You mean you have to raise $1,800 in 30 days? Yeah, ain't that fantastic? (laughs) It certainly is. How are you going to get that much money in one lump? My back pay would do it. <laughs> Rochester, if you're referring to your investment in the Benny Protective and Endowment Association... <laughs> that doesn't mature until you're 40. I'll be 40 tomorrow. That's a lie. <laughs> now, Rochester, you take that horse back to wherever you got it. There's no room for it in the garage. There is now. I put the Maxwell out in the street for the summer. Well, put it right back in again. I don't want my car out in the street. Somebody will come along and steal it. I'd like to get a picture of that. I could sell it to pick, click, or flick. (laughs) Rochester... I'm not going to argue with you. Now, you get rid of that broken-down nag. He ain't a broken-down nag. He won over 100 races. Won? All right, run. That's more like it. Now, you do as I say. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, by the way, boss. What is it now? Uh, I don't like Section 8, Paragraph D of my new contract. What's wrong with it? Section 8 says you get $30 a week. I know, but paragraph D says a week is 14 days. (laughs) I'm trying out something new. (laughs) Anyway, we'll discuss that when I get home. Goodbye. Goodbye. The idea of buying a racehorse. He'll probably have me out in the morning clocking it. He'll never get up. Well, sing, Dennis. Don't stand there like a dodo. (laughs) Where was I the night that you surrendered to a Someone else came by. Where was I? 
I waited long for you. My love was strong for you. I sang love songs to you recall. One night you learned to care. It wasn't my affair. I wasn't even there at all. Oh, where was I the night that you surrendered to a sigh? Where was I? The moon was high. Night that you first listened to a lie. Where was I? sung by Dennis Day, who I'm sure will be with us for many years to come. Yes, sir. Why, ever get smart. Watch out. <laughs> now, Dennis, you say one more thing like that, and I'm going to take you in the next room and give you a good talking to. Boy, will he be flat-chested. <laughs> Never mind. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, Mr. Don Wilson, that eminent American playwright, has written another of his famous one-act plays, a hillbilly melodram entitled The Code of the Hills. Or shoot me in the pants, Zeke. The rest is store clothes. <laughs> Set the scene, Mr. Wilson. Gladly. The locale, ladies and gentlemen, is the cabin of the Jake Bennies in a remote section of the Ozarks. The Jake Bennies are in the midst of a feud with their longtime enemies and neighbors, the Fudd Allens. Oh, pardon me, Don. I would like to announce, folks, that any resemblance between the Fudd Allen in our play and the Fred Allen of radio is purely intentional. <laughs> If he's not a hillbilly, I never saw one. <laughs> Go ahead, Don. It is six o'clock in the evening, and the shooting has been going on all day. Curtain, music. <laughs> Kind of city talk, and I ain't forgetting. 
Hey, son, barricade that double door. Ooh, Pappy. Son. They got me, Pappy. They got me. What was that, Paul? They got our boy, Zeb. Shot him right through the doors. I didn't know he was a-wearing them. <laughs> I'll get them, Allens, for this. Kids don't grow on bushes. No siree. I'm a-going, Pappy. I'm a-getting weaker and weaker. Goodbye, Pappy. Goodbye, Mo. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> well, what do we got for supper, Mo? Lunch. Good. <laughs> Dish it out. Howdy, Uncle Jake. Hello, Bob Twitch. <laughs> Hey, Twitch, you shouldn't be walking around with your left arm shot up like that. Well, I've been seeking some cord to tie it up with. It keeps on falling off. <laughs> you know, Twitch, I don't like the way that arm of yours keeps dropping off. It might be ailing. What's that you got under your other arm? My right leg. <laughs> oh. Well, put it in the umbrella stand and come to supper. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, gone! I wish them Allens would hold off till we get through eating. I'm a-going, Pappy. I'm a-going. Take your time, son. <laughs> uh, pass the coffee, Ma. Hey, Jake, what happened to Cousin Zeb? One of the Allens plugged him. Have some coffee, Twitch. <laughs> oh, gone! Don't those Allens know it's supper time? By the way, Ma, where's our daughter, Linda Lou, Nettie Mae, Lily Bell, Harvest Moon? <laughs> Where is she? She went down to the village to buy a girdle. Had her heart set on it. A girdle? Oh, boy, we can have some hot cakes. That griddle. <laughs> What's a girdle, Ma? Something them city gals are wearing. It's like a sweater, only it snaps at you. <laughs> By gum, what'll they be thinking up next? Here she is now. Hello, Linda Lou, Nettie Mae, Lily Bell, Harvest Moon. Hello, Pappy. Hello, Ma. Hello, Linda Lou, Nettie Bell. I mean, Lily Mae. I mean, Nettie Mae. Oh, nuts. Hello. We ends have been a-worrying about you, gal. You shouldn't be out of doors at a time like this. Why not? Them Allens couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. No, but they could hit yours. <laughs> Sit down, gal. Say, Uncle Jake. What is it, Twitch? Look out the window. Ain't that one of them Allens sneaking up on us? Either that or a polecat. Give him a rifle, Ma. Watch out, Paul. Watch out. <laughs> he missed me. Oh, yeah? Where's your ear? Doggone, and I wanted to hear the Fitch bandwagon. Come on, Twitch, grab a gun. That'll teach them vomit. I was saying that we would stop this darn feud. Not for Ellen. He's a feuding this man in these hills. I wonder what makes him so feudy. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Ma, pass me the sugar. Oh, go on, then. Pick up that spoon, Ma. Never mind, I'll get you another one. I want that one. My hand's on it. <laughs> Thanks. 
A shooting and a killing, a shooting and a killing. How many more pages to this play? Can't be many. Here comes Porky Wilson now. Hello, Porky. Hello, Jake. Say, what happened to Zeb? Them Allens done plugged him. And none of us ain't safe till this feud is over. I am. I'm so big they're scared to shoot at me. Why, them Allens is as yellow as, uh, as, uh, as, uh... Banana. And speaking of bananas, ladies and gentlemen, do you realize how marvelous they are when sliced over a dish of tempting and appetizing... Now, milk? hold on now, Wilson. Did you write this play just to get that in? This gelatin dessert is not only economical and easy to make, but comes in six delicious flavors. Why, you... So look for the big red letters on the box. They spell... Pizza! They spell jello. J-E-L-L... Have a go, Jake. Have a go. Me too. Well, that's all for tonight, folks. Will the Jake Bennys win the feud? Will the Fudd Allens be wiped out? Will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Clem, will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, Zeke, will Porky Wilson recover? I don't know. Hey, say Let it go. It's not important. My goodness. Play, Phil. Today, ladies and gentlemen, your grocer offers you two great Jell-O products, Jell-O, America's favorite gelatin dessert, and Jell-O puddings, the country's newest dessert sensation. Ever since Jell-O puddings came on the market, they've been steadily climbing in popularity. In fact, right in your own neighborhood, any night in the week, I'll bet you'll find a lot of families sitting down to enjoy a tempting Jell-O pudding dessert for dinner. You've all enjoyed Jell-O, I know. Now enjoy these new members of the Jell-O family, Jell-O butterscotch, chocolate, and vanilla puddings. Tomorrow, do what thousands of other folks do, and when you ask your grocer for Jell-O, ask him also for those delicious new desserts, Jell-O puddings. This, this is the National Broadcasting Company.